Yeah. You didn't deliver the sandwich. I delivered the sandwich. It's Friday, July 14th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering and uh, Lunch Delivery Boy, and with me today are Molly Quell, Contributing Editor at Dutch News and Camping Expert, and Gordon Derrick, Marble Chomping Fellow Contributing Editor at Dutch News. So Molly, how are you doing? I'm grumpy. How come? I don't know. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. Mm. You have no reason to be grumpy. I have no reason to be grumpy. I survived camping in France, which was as terrible as everyone says it is. Oh, is it still uh, because you uh, you went to France? It could be. Uh, Maybe I'm still recovering. Yeah. How are you guys doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. I just had del- a delicious lunch. So. That's true. Did you have a delicious I had, lunch, uh, Gordon? I had a reasonable lunch, yes. <laughs> so, yes somebody took the wrong order. That's we true. We won't talk about it. Well, Molly, no reason for you to be grumpy anymore because this, this is the uh, last podcast of, uh, of this series. Yes, I don't have to see you people for like four whole weeks. It's going to be glorious. And yes. you going camping again? No, mm. we're staying in hotels like actual adults. Well, we're going to discuss our summer holiday plans uh, later on. But first, we will update you on the coalition talks and the latest trends in government-forming fashion. We also talk about why prisoners in the Netherlands will be given the key to their own cells and how a school photo became the topic of this week's national debate. In our top news story, the coalition talks rumbled on towards a four-month point this week with no end in sight but a change of venue and a new dress code. The four parties trying to form a government turned up this week at the Johan de Witt House in The Hague to start pulling together a coalition deal. Negotiators have indicated that more controversial subjects such as assisted dying have been parked until a later date. On Tuesday, D66 leader Alexander Pechtold told the patient Dutch journalists who've been gathered outside every day that progress was happening in centimetres not metres, though the leaders of the other parties, the Liberals, Christian Democrats, and Christian Union were more upbeat about the outcome. So what is the significance of this uh, change of venue, the Johan de Witthaus? Well, I think they're just trying to make it a little bit uh, less formal. Uh, they're, they're all turning up in jeans and uh, slacks. And I think Pechtold had a sports bag over his shoulder as well, um, and uh, a bit more laid back than the, than the state rooms. But the Johan de Witthaus is uh, also named after Johan de Witt, who's a politician in the 17th century who was murdered and hacked to pieces by a baying mob. So Fascinating. Food yeah. for thought. Uh, you can still find his uh, tongue and and his uh, thumb in a uh, the Hague Museum, if you would like to see it. I would like to see that. Yeah. I think we need a team outcha to the <laughs> Yeah, that would be fun. It's the same politician that got eaten by the uh, angry mob. Oh, right, because yeah. you people like to execute and eat your prime ministers. Yeah, he was the uh, 17th century equivalent of a prime minister. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Gordon, did they, uh, have they been negotiating all week? Uh, not all week. Uh, they had Wednesday and Thursday off because uh, the CU2 went to CU2. <laughs> see what I did there? Yeah, yeah I see yeah, what yeah. you did there. <laughs> okay. You are fired. <laughs> yeah. No more Gordon <laughs> after this summer. Kjell <laughs> Segers, the uh, leader of the Christian Union, and his uh, deputy, Carlos Houghton, uh, went off to Berlin to, to a U2 concert. So Wh- that, Why in Berlin? That's where they were playing, I think. Ah. Yeah, They couldn't persuade them to come and play in the Netherlands, even though they have their ta- they pay their taxes here. <laughs> yeah, aren't they headquartered here, U2? <laughs> yeah, they should be here all the time. Yeah, really. exactly. They should be playing every week. But anyway, no, but they were playing in Berlin this time. So, okay. so, so, so they had two days off to, to 
go and see that. So that's cut into the coalition talks. I was curious as well uh, to get Paul's opinion on the Pechtolt's uh, doorstep appearance because uh, did you feel it, so this seemed like a bit of a sort of stage managed thing when you saw it? Yeah, indeed. Uh, he <laughs> said they were making millimeters rather than centimeters, centimeters yeah. rather than meters, um, claiming that the negotiation talks are going, you know, not so fast as everyone hoped for. But there was a, a CDA senator overheard in a train by a friend of a journalist who tweeted about this. And the uh, CDA senator, who's also a confidant of uh, Buma, said that uh, this was all staged and that the coalition talks are going better than Pechtold is claiming in the media. And there was uh, a bit of a discussion among journalists uh, whether or not this journalist should have tweeted about this because, you know, it was overheard in a private conversation. But yeah. I think a train is not a private uh, setting. So what would Pechtold's motivation be for, for saying millimeters instead of or centimeters instead of meters if that's not, if they're actually moving meters? I think it's maybe kind of, I'm not sure they are moving meters, but I think it's maybe kind of a bit of, sort of managing expectations and uh, sending a sign out to the media. Don't expect uh, anything in the next sort of week or so you know we're just kind of taking it solely for me the kind of giveaway was that none of the other parties were really that upset that he'd, that he'd spoken out even though there's supposed to be this radio silence in the coalition talks you know when Greta was asked about it, he just sort of jovially said oh yes well we're doing all right you know so I got the feeling that he was kind of sent out to sort of just chuck the media a bone because you know they are going to be talking for a bit longer but there's no real sense I got from that that there's any serious crisis or the, the talks on the brink of any kind of breakdown so is this just an incident of of under promising and over delivering kind of thing so we... oh, or maybe just giving the journalists who, the, who have to camp out there every day a, a toy to play with. And maybe it's um, uh, it's Pechtel's way of uh, showing his voters and showing uh, his members of his party that he is, uh, you know, fighting for the uh, D66 principles uh, like uh, euthanasia and uh, all these uh, medical ethical questions, mm -hmm. even though they might already have an agreement on that. But, you know, just to show their base that he's fighting for that principle. Yeah, and it's also kind of managing expectations, of, uh, isn't it, in the, in the sense that if he, if he emphasizes the fact that it's hard going and it's really difficult then any deal they come out with seems good whereas if they're yeah. trying to say everything's going swimmingly and it's brilliant and then the deal's produced and they all have all had to compromise everyone said well you've all caved in rather than if, if it looks like they've actually had to work really hard to get to this point then it puts a sort of more positive gloss on uh, on the final result because they're all going to have to make concessions A school in The Hague has been ordered to pay a family 500 euros after they lost a discrimination case. The school had scheduled the annual school photos during Offerfest, an important Islamic holiday. The children had permission to be absent from school to celebrate, and when the parents brought this to the attention of the school, they were told it wasn't possible to reschedule the photographer. After the parents complained, the school did offer to have the photographer arrive early, but the time slot clashed with morning prayers. According to the family, their daughter was upset that she didn't appear in the class photo, which hung at the entrance to the classroom. The family intends to donate the money to charity. So there's been a lot of op-hef about this. Right? There's, there's been so very... much op yeah. about it. We The comments on even on our website were a cesspool. Maybe we should start by just unpacking a bit. Why did the court find there'd been discrimination here? So there is like an, an EU directive that says, okay, you can't discriminate both directly by what you would say, like, you know, the school would say, well, we don't want Muslim children to appear in the school photograph. That's illegal. But also indirect discrimination is also illegal. Mm. So that's when you have like a seemingly neutral thing, like scheduling the school photograph to be taken but it's sort of done in such a way that it indirectly discriminates mm. against yeah some sort of protected group of people so in this case uh in the muslim students and basically what the court decided was is that the school 
couldn't show that they had put like a good faith effort forward to reschedule this photo and that there wasn't a reason that they should be allowed to sort of discriminate in this manner. Yeah, because these children had been given permission to have the day off because yeah. of um, the offer face. So the school should have known and taken it into account and when they scheduled the, pho- the photograph. Right? And that is exactly what the court said. Yeah. But, so. yeah, but the amount of compensation as well is a lot less than the families had asked for. So Yeah, the families had originally asked for 5,000 euros per child and there were two children involved in the case. So it would have been a total of 10,000 euros and it was reduced to 500 euros, which as I understand is pretty sort of common in, in civil lawsuits that you you ask for more because there is mm. an understanding that the, the judge is going to rule for a yeah. lesser amount. Yeah, but also I think because it was uh, the court ruled it was indirect discrimination, not direct discrimination. Right. Isn't it? Yeah. 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 yeah, but the courts looked at the situation and they said, okay, we can see there's uh, some discrimination here, but it's not the worst case, so therefore we're going to reduce the amount uh, right. accordingly. Yeah. Exactly. So, but the op has been obviously because Muslims have got some money from a court and that kind of right. That and this do. is a terrible thing. Yes. Although the, the it, what's somewhat ironic about this is apparently the case law used in this case is actually um, a case about discrimination against Christians, not a discrimination against Muslims, because there was a case a few years ago where a, a poker player, no, not a poker player, a pool player was participating in some sort of tournament, and they had scheduled the finals for a Sunday and this gentleman who had made it to the finals was not by his religion permitted to play on Sunday and the tournament refused to reschedule it and the court found that you know because they refused to to put Mm. forth this effort in rescheduling the tournament and that there wasn't a reason that it had to be played on a Sunday that he was awarded damages in this case so that was actually what Mm. the this the the case with the school photos was referencing so it's a bit ironic that everyone is sort of mad at at Muslims for getting you know (laughs) quote unquote a bunch of money when in fact you know the reason that this was allowed to do is because some Christian guy yeah. got a bunch of the money first. Was set by Christians, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but in this case as well, the, the, the schools sort of did try to make amends afterwards by uh, having individual portraits taken of these children. So why did the court decide that wasn't enough or did they decide that was a mitigating factor? Yeah, so the the individual portraits weren't the one that was actually the problem. The, yeah. It was like this sort of group portrait that they do and apparently in particular because it sort of hangs at the entrance to the classroom that the, yeah. the kids who were missing from it were particularly kind of felt kind of ostracized about it. And they did schedule the school did schedule at a later date to have a to have a picture taken a group photo taken of the class but apparently the families have never actually seen this group photo and it wasn't the one that was put into the classroom so they felt sort of like they had been slighted or that the school wasn't making a reasonable accommodation for them The Senate, or Eerste Kamer, passed a controversial law on Tuesday that will expand the information collecting capacities of the intelligence service AIVD and its military counterpart MIVD. The law, dubbed the Tapping Law, will come into effect on January 1st and allow uh, mass interception and storage of information and internet communications by the Secret Service, rather than specific internet connections, which was allowed under the previous law from 2002. The new law will also allow the Secret Service services to hack the computers of people who aren't suspected of terrorist activities. So why is this law necessary, Paul? According to the Secret Services, the previous law, which dates back to 2002, had become outdated and needed to be updated. All parties in the Tweede Kamer agreed with this, but yet there is there is still concerned that the new abilities would be too extensive. Uh, these concerns were shared by social organizations and groups representing civil rights, as well as journalists and the Council of State. Uh, the Secret Services and Home Secretary Ronald Plastek defended the law, and they say that in the light of the digital revolution, uh, the trawling of the web and the collection of mass data is simply the only way to effectively prevent terrorism. But it does give them the freedom to collect information from basically anybody. Uh, yeah, under the law, the uh, intelligence agencies will be allowed to store all data, 
uh, they collected for a period of three years and after that the data well has to be destroyed but in the opinion of the council of state this is a rather long time even too long perhaps um, and it's not a surprise that a large number of uh, human rights organizations and privacy watchdogs have criticized this term as well and some even claim that this long period of time is breaking the european convention on human rights is there going to be any oversight into uh, the data collection and storage? Uh, yes, uh, and that was one of the defenses of Minister Plastek. Uh, there will be a committee put in place that in advance has to approve all tapping requests before the Secret Services can do anything. Uh, this committee will be formed by two judges and one expert, but critics have said that they are afraid that this committee isn't powerful enough and uh, they'll have to assess a large number of requests under pressure of time. The judges are no expert on the modus operandi of the Secret Services, so you, well, they can really make an independent judgment if a tapping request is really necessary and well and of course the the secret services will always claim that it is really necessary so it's feared that this committee will become just a stamping machine that will approve everything that is laid in front of them and another problem is that the other oversight committee that reviews the agency's activities in retrospect will not be allowed to punish the agencies for making unjustified uh, requests although the other concern is that when they assess uh, these requests from the security services where is the counter evidence going to come from? Surely, given it's all done in secret, the only evidence they're going to look at is what the AIBD put in front of them. Yeah. So, therefore, how are they going to possibly be able to judge it? in a detached and impartial way. Yeah, and especially if you're not an expert in, in, in the Secret Service and what they do and how they do it, how can you make a fair uh, assessment of that? So that's one of the, uh, one of the concerns. Sport now, and there was Dutch success in the Giro Rosa, the women's cycling tour of Italy, as Anna van der Brechen won the race for the second time at the weekend. Her compatriot, Annemiek van Floten, finished third and also took home the green points jersey and the polka dot jersey for the Queen of the Mountains competition. In the men's cycling race that's going on at the same time, the Tour de France, Robert Geesink is out after crashing on Monday's stage. Bauke Mollema is the best-placed Dutchman in 28th place. Which isn't the... Very good place, to be no, honest. No, and he's about half an hour behind uh, the leader. Who's the leader now? No, it's now Fabian Aru. From? Uh, he's, he's Italian. He overtook Chris Froome on the, uh, in the last of 300 metres of the, the mountain stage. Well, go Chris Froome. Yeah. Are there any other notable uh, developments in Dutch women's sport? The, the Women's European Championships are kicking off this uh, weekend in the Netherlands, uh, in Utrecht. And to commemorate it, the, the Dutch women's team have uh, changed the logo on their shirts. Uh, so mm. instead of the Dutch lion, uh, that uh, both the men's and women's teams always had, they now have a lioness. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, possibly as well because the men's team haven't been much of an inspiration uh, lately because obviously they, they haven't been able to qualify for the European Championships. Yeah, so we threw the men out and we are <laughs> embracing the women. There has also been some sadder football news this week. Yes, it has. Very sad news. Uh, Abdelhak Nouri, uh, who's a promising 20-year-old midfielder with Ajax, uh, collapsed during a friendly match uh, against Werder Bremen on Saturday. He was given emergency t- treatment on the pitch and he was airlifted to hospital, but the club confirmed this week that he's suffered serious permanent brain damage so his dream of playing professional football is gone and he's likely to be disabled for the rest of his life so a terrible and shocking turn of events for a very promising young player who played 15 games for Ajax last season yes very sad very sad indeed an 18-year-old cat that had been missing for seven years had been brought to an animal shelter in Ada. Good news, you'd think, but the information on Mulan's chip was outdated and its owner moved out of the address re- registered on the chip. The shelter decided to post a photo of the cat on Facebook along with its story and that resulted in a mass search for the cat's owner as the post went viral on social media. Unfortunately, the cat's owner, 
a woman suffering from MS, had died in 2014 at the age of 35. The shelter managed to contact the woman's parents, and they were surprised the cat had been found after so many years, but they uh, happily uh, adopted Mulan. So I know why this post went viral. Why? Because the cat is, looks like it's possessed by a demon in the photo <laughs> that they posted. Yeah. We will be sure to include yeah. it with the podcast. Kind of looks like it's been plugged into an electric socket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he 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 does. Yeah, yeah. I have it's, to admit. Yeah, it's kind of a so a happy ending to what was kind of a sad story in a way. And the cat is apparently in quite good uh, condition. So the the animal shelter thinks that someone's been taking care of it in the intervening years that it wasn't living on the streets. Yeah, because it has he has pretty good teeth. Yeah, they yeah. also said it had pretty good hair though. And judging from the <laughs> <laughs> I beg to differ. Yeah. And although our kitty may have had a happy ending, we have a few stories from this week that do not. First, Tyne Kolsteren, the six-year-old who raised over two and a half million euros for charity by painting people's fingernails, died this week. He had a brainstem cancer for which there was no cure. Also this week, the mother of the three sisters who performed the Dutch entry in this year's Eurovision Song Contest lost her fight with cancer. The group's name, Ogine, is a reference to their mother's blood type, and the song they performed at Eurovision, Light and Shadows, is dedicated to her. Our condolences to their family and friends. In a minute, we'll be discussing uh, our summer holiday plans, but first, a few corrections and updates. Last week, in the Bitterball Twist edition, we said there had been a protest regarding the Bitterball controversy at the City Hall of Utrecht. This was incorrect. And after the fishy edition, uh, Fiona Stewart got in touch with us to point out that although the Netherlands was the first country to pass a law legalising euthanasia, other regions permitted it earlier, such as Australia's Northern Territory, which made it legal in 1996. Medical aid in dying is also authorised in six states of the US, and Canada passed a law permitting doctor-assisted suicide last year. So thanks for pointing that out to us, Fiona. And in that same edition, I incorrectly referred to my boyfriend as a socialist. He has, in fact, only occasionally voted as pay and does not identify himself as a socialist. Did he issue a formal complaint? He did. As soon as he came home from work, he wanted to complain about it. Uh, Is there anything else we need to apologize for? Uh, I think Gordon wants to apologize for Brexit. Well, I'm constantly apologizing to people for Brexit. I don't see why I should uh, stop now. I'm, uh, I guess I have to apologize for Trump then. Uh, and I guess I have to apologize for this podcast. Yes, yeah. <laughs> all of it. No, can we not discuss my extensive theory on why the Dutch are really to blame for Trump so that you can apologize for them instead? Uh, go ahead. <laughs> so my theory is, is that, you know, the Dutch expelled these like right ring religious Christian nut jobs, right, to the U.S. So they, they booted them all out of Leida because they were all crazy. They sent them to the U.S. And 300 years later, that has mitigated into a political system that elected Trump. So I actually blame the Dutch for Trump. <laughs> yeah, and also because he uh, made his fortune in uh, dubious real estate deals on the island of Manhattan. And who is the f- was the first country to make a dubious real estate deal on the island of Manhattan? The Dutch. And also, what is the national color of the Netherlands? Orange. And what is the color of Trump? <laughs> <laughs> and and he be- regained his uh, his fame in reality TV. And who invented yeah. reality TV? The Dutch. Yes. yes. Yeah. See? It's your fault. Well, we will talk about our summer holiday plans after these words from our sponsor. Do you drive or ride a bike? Are you in the train or on the train? If you're producing text in English but aren't sure of just the right wording, M Squared can help you. M Squared is a digital publications company that can help you with all of your writing, editing and translation needs. They have a combined 20 years experience crafting the perfect document from editing books to writing website copy. If you need help with your website text, brochure, thesis, press release and more, contact them at info at msqrd.com. 
If you are interested in reaching an international audience with your product or service, you can email to podcast at dutchnews.nl for our competitive advertising rates. Since this week's podcast will be the last edition before we are taking a well-deserved summer holiday break, well, don't be feared, we will come back after the summer with a new podcast on August 18th, so you have to uh, uh, wait for us for a month. Depending on how the coalition talks go, we will uh, might even be back in the middle of the summer with a government update, but since these talks are taking forever, we don't expect an emergency summer edition to be necessary. No, there's uh, icebergs that have broken off from Antarctica that are moving faster than the Dutch coalition talks. <laughs> I have to see inkling that uh, there's going to be no government announcement while the king's on holiday. I'm, I'm quite sure that he and Kurtzam sat down in a palace. He said, "Look, you're not making any big announcements while I'm in, in Greece. It's not happening." Uh, perhaps they should uh, lock the uh, the coalition group into one of the cells <laughs> and don't give them the keys and don't let them out before. <laughs> no beaches for them. No beaches for yeah. them. Just lock them up in a cell, like a conclave. Yeah, why right. not do it like that? I, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm I'm yeah. in favor of this. Yeah, and they have to live off Brotis Crescent <laughs> every day until they reach an agreement. So why are we taking the next four weeks off? Because I'm not here. You're not here. Uh, none going? of us are here. We're all we're all away. No, we? Paul's here. Paul's here. I'm yes. here. So I can do this so podcast on my own. You wanna? Yes, but do our listeners just want to listen to half an hour of you no, talking? I don't think so. And whereabouts are you off to, Molly? I am leaving next week to go to uh, Germany for two weeks, and then I will be in Turkey for ten days. Where in Germany will you uh, will go? Uh, I'm flying into Hamburg, and I will oh, be. Oh, you're just a few weeks, uh, just a week too late. Yes, mm. just a week. Is your is your boyfriend coming along? Yes, but he is joining us in Bremen a few days later. Uh, okay. And then we'll be going on to Bonn, and then some small German towns, and we will eventually end up in Darmstadt, and then Frankfurt, oh. and then Munich, and then we fly to Istanbul. So we tour through uh, Germany. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully we'll be drinking lots of nice white wine and seeing some castles and yeah. no French campsites, <laughs> but German campsites. No, no, it's all hotels. Oh, good. Yeah. How, how does a German campsite look like? I have no idea, but I don't plan on finding out. Hmm. So, Gordon, where are you uh, off to? Uh, well, I'm going to Germany as well, but uh, and I will be going to campsites because uh, I'm joining the uh, growing ranks of uh, people from this country who hire camper vans. I'm going to have two weeks going around in a camper van. Gordon, around. Gordon, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm taking. I'm going on holiday with children. I mean, yeah. it's, com- it's a completely different. You know, yeah, different that's a very different uh, universe. From what, uh, I agree. Yeah. So the Americans yeah. are going to Germany. The British are going to Germany. What kind of World War II reenactment? The Germans are all coming to the Netherlands. Yeah. There was also an article about that this week. So the Germans and the Belgians are, are all uh, flocking to uh, Dutch um, beach resorts. Yeah. Uh, Belgians too? Yes. Yeah, apparently the Belgians as well. Yeah, yeah because Turkey and, and some other places have become a bit more unstable, so they don't want to go on holiday there, so they're coming here. And the Dutch are still going? Uh, it seems so. It's cheaper now, so... Yeah, exactly, yes, of yeah, course. that makes a difference, yeah. So, Paul, you're just going to hang out at the beach with a bunch of German and Belgian tourists? Uh, yeah, apparently, weeks? yeah. I, I was planning on going to the beach... Uh, a lot of times, but now I heard that it, <laughs> a lot of, it will be invaded by Germans and Belgians. I'm going to reconsider. Uh, whenever the the weather is is nice, I will go to the beach. I live. Uh, my parents live nearby Zeeland, so uh, it's easy to uh, to go there. And otherwise, when I'm in uh, Delft, I can go to Scheveningen. So mm. that's uh, kind of the plan for the coming four weeks. And to tweet a lot, I presume. And to tweet a lot, okay. and uh, depending on how my uh, exams results look like, uh, I might go uh, back to study. Uh, okay well hopefully you have no resets yeah I hope that too yeah Yeah. and depending on whether there's any progress in the coalition talks as well that will uh, presumably dictate your Twitter behaviour yeah Yeah, indeed yeah it's a it's a shame that the uh, parliament is going on summer holiday now because I 
can't make any gifts anymore. Yeah, you're going to be so gift deprived. Yeah, you might have weeks. to like read a book or something. It's going to yeah. be terrible. No, no, no book. You can maybe sit critiquing the uh, coalition partners' um, dress sense. I noticed they've all swapped identical blue suits for identical jeans and sort of cardigan. Well, weird, yeah. not quite cardigan. What, things. Did, what did you think of their casual outfits? Yeah, I was just thinking that well, they all seem to be, they're all sort of 40, men in their 40s in jeans, I say, as a man in his 40s sitting here in a pair of jeans. But, <laughs> yes, uh, but this is radio, not television. So exactly, yeah, it makes a difference. Yeah, I'm, I'm not being uh, filmed walking walking about. Yeah, no, it seems a very dark pair of jeans, a, a, a very sort of smart pair of casual shoes, and uh, something that's not somewhere in between a cardigan and, uh, and and a hoodie without a hood. Yeah. Yeah, and Petal had a bag over his shoulder, so yeah. trying to sort of reenact his student days. Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. It did seem a bit forced. Yeah, uh, it's very, all yeah. very strange. Stage manager, I think they don't have any uh, casual clothing, so no. they had to. I think uh, they sleep yeah. in their suits. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I R- definitely R- think Ruta sleeps in a suit. Ruta is not a guy you could ever imagine wearing a t-shirt. No, no, no. And I think Yessa Claver sleeps in a white button-down with his sleeves rolled up. He he posted a photo of his pajamas on Twitter. Does he have a onesie? It was a onesie, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it was pajamas with acorns. 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 Yeah. Oh my Okay. We don't know anything about Rutter's pajamas, but as soon as we do, we will we have an emergency. We won't tell you for your I sake. think he has suit pajamas. I think he I has think so pajamas too. that yeah. look like a suit. I would, I would think so, with a tie as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's all we have for you uh, this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about in the liner notes, and you can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. My thanks to Molly Quell and Gordon Derek. I'm Paul Peters, and we'll be back on August 18th. 18th. Good job, guys. That'll do.